So, we're continuing our road trip this summer through Romans. Uh, last Sunday, Pastor Jesse took us through uh, kind of second half of chapter 3 in Romans into chapter 4, and five stopping points he had, breaking the law, making it right, no boasting, heritage and works, question mark, and receive. And then in that process, Jesse also put this up on the screen, an acrostic of gospel, and this is kind of the center of what the book of Romans is all about, so I'm just going to go over it. God created us to be with him. God's original creational intent is that we be with him and enjoy his friendship. Amazing. Unfortunately, oh, our sins separate us from God. This idea we get in our brain that we don't need God, we just build our own life, we design our own life. Great distance between us and God. Not good. And sins, as sins cannot be removed by good deeds. can do good stuff, that's great, but the distance we put between ourselves and God still remains. Thankfully, P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. He paid the price for that debt, that distance, is able to bring us back together with God the Father. So E, everyone who trusts in Jesus alone, not what we do, but what Jesus has done, has eternal life or the life of God in us now, and that life with Jesus starts now and just doesn't end. Death can't take it away. That's the good news that Paul's talking about uh, in Romans. Don't forget the Roman Summer Devotional. If you're on our text list, you get a text on Sunday afternoon or Mondays with the link to the devotionals for the week, Monday through Saturday. Uh, make them a part of your daily routine. If you haven't yet, that's fine. Just pick it up now. Go on the website. Go to the bottom. They're right there. Uh, my wife, Tara, and I, we use it together in the evenings. It's part of our routine this summer. Uh, it's been helpful. So today we're going to work through Romans chapter 4, 13 through Romans 5, 17. And the main emphasis today, and in your reading this week, will be Discovering that faith in Jesus brings joy. But our first stop is this. It's not about being good. It's about faith in Jesus. We have to stop and think about this. Now, what do you mean? What do you mean it's not about being good? Should we want people to do what's good? And what is faith in Jesus? Is it, is it something you believe about Jesus? Or is it actually like a friendship where you trust him? What is this all about? Well, listen to Paul, the Apostle Paul's Holy Spirit-guided words. Paul wrote, clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes through faith. Now, this is news. In the New Testament world, it didn't matter if you're worshiping the true God or any God, there was this general feeling, if you're going to get anything from God, you've got to earn it. You have to obey God. You have to keep God's law. You must follow his instructions. And then and only then will God give you good stuff. You have to earn it. But God's spirit guided Paul to interrupt this false thinking and put out there what is true of God. God keeps his promises to us when we believe that God will keep his promises. That's faith. Not just believing something about God, but actually trusting God and what he says. So we get a right relationship with God when we trust what God has done for us in Christ. Not what we have done, but what God has done for us. Can't earn anything from God. Nobody can. We just trust that God has made a way for us to be friends with him through his son. Now, I know that can sound a bit strange, kind of like floating bridges. Here's a picture of two floating bridges on Lake Washington that bring commuter traffic from the western suburbs into Seattle, Washington in the mornings, and then they head back home in the evenings. And I'm familiar with these two bridges. I drove over them many times with my parents when I was a little kid growing up out there. And I remember one of the first times driving across 
one of these bridges with my dad. We get down in the middle, and you're just on the water. You're just on the lake. And I remember as a kid looking around thinking, this is not, this is not what bridges are supposed to look like. And I said, Dad, how does this bridge stay on top of the water? Uh, because I've been over other bridges, over rivers, lots of rivers in Washington State, and the, bri the bridges are high above the water, and you can see the, the concrete uh, posts or pilings going down into the river bed, and you can see the, the bridges being supported by something. But I couldn't see how this bridge was supported as a kid. So I said, Dad, how does this bridge stay on top of the water? I was getting a little worried. And my dad just responded, matter of fact, they said, oh, this is a floating bridge. And I remember inside, I, I didn't let on this to my dad, but inside, I panicked. Concrete doesn't float. I know this, and I'm a kid. It's like a rock. It's going to sink. So I asked my dad, how can a concrete bridge float, Dad? And he explained to me the bridge was sitting on pontoons that kept the bridge afloat. And he reassured me, we're not going to sink. And as a kid, it really did not make sense to me. But I trusted my dad. And if my dad said this floating bridge was safe and would not sink, I had faith in what he said. I believe my dad. I had faith in what he said. Right relationship with God is a lot like that floating bridge. You think we should have to build our own bridge to God and do all the structure and put the pilings down to the river bottom. It's all up to us, right? But God says, no. Don't even try to build a right relationship with me. You just trust what I've already done for you through Jesus' death and resurrection, and you can have a good relationship with me. Don't, don't believe things about me. Just believe me. The bridge is right there. Just have faith. So right relationship with God is not about being good. It's about having faith in Jesus. And Paul goes on to explain a little bit more. So the, the promise is received by faith. It's given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. It's not about being good. It's about faith in Jesus. Look at that last phrase. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. When I was in high school, I thought, I'm nothing like my dad. I'm my own person, way cooler than my dad. I'm Steve. After being married for a time and having kids, I began to think, huh, I guess I'm a little bit like my dad in some ways. Now, after entering, entering the grandparent chapter in life, thinking about how I interact with my adult kids and my grandkids, I find myself saying, wow, my dad is definitely my father. I mean, I'm my own person, but my dad has definitely influenced me and passed down to me some characteristics that are a very important part of who I am. Paul says, Abraham is the father of all who believe. Abraham passed down to us the right approach to God. We do not try and impress God by being good. Instead, like Abraham, we place our full trust in God's promise to us through Jesus. The children of Abraham are not those who work hard enough to be good enough for God. The children of Abraham are those who have faith in God and trust his promise to us in Jesus. And then Paul makes it clear that faith is all about trusting what God's done for us through Jesus and that Abraham's example is just assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He, Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life 
to make us right with God. Paul's being exceptionally clear. It's not about being good. It's about having faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to do what? To make us right with God. We don't start by trying to build a bridge to God ourselves. We just trust that God through Jesus has already built this unique floating bridge that connects us right to God the Father. Can't be good enough for God. None of us can be. Doesn't matter. God has made us good enough through Jesus. And we trust that through faith. That brings us to our second stop. Faith in Jesus brings joy, Romans 5, 1 through 11. Um, before we talk about how, how Paul explains this, I need to just talk about the word joy. Joy is not happiness. Joy is not how you feel because everything is going well, which is a great feeling. Joy is not the result of getting what you want or earned. The Greek New Testament word that gets translated as joy in this passage means, look at this. I can't believe this happened. It's amazing. It's amazing. I remember after learning that these bridges floated over Lake Washington and we drive over them often, I remember feeling joy every time we came down after the approach from the, the land. We were on the floating bridge. We were going to be fine. I remember just this joy I had. And I wanted to roll down the car window and yell at the cars. This is amazing. We're floating on the water. We're not going to sink. That's joy. When we trust what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, we experience joy and we say, this is amazing. I can't believe what God's done for me. Wow. That's joy. Paul says this joy comes from a number of places. First, peace with God brings joy. Paul says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Now, who would have thought that we could have peace with God, our Creator? But we're told as we trust in Jesus' sacrificial death for our sin, to take that away, and His death-defeating resurrection bring us life, we are at peace with God. We don't have to be nervous in God's presence. We don't have to worry about whether or not God loves us. We don't have to wonder if God is embarrassed by us. No. Paul wrote that when we trust that God has made us right in his sight through what he did for us with Jesus, we're at peace with God. And we know God's not against us. He's actually for us. We know God came in Christ not to condemn us, but to save us. And as we trust in Jesus, we're not outcasts anymore God the Father welcomes us into his family, even right into his own home. We're just at peace with God. We relax. Enjoy life. It's amazing. We go, yeah, but you know, life has hard stuff in it, right? And won't the hard stuff in life just kind of squelch that joy? And Paul says, no. Problems and trials can't squelch joy. Paul starts this long sentence. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. And at first you may think Paul's gone crazy. He's lost his mind. Why would that be good? Problems and trials we think of as joy killers. Paul says, no, that's not the way it works. As you're trusting in Jesus, God's Spirit works in us in a very specific way so that trusting Jesus actually, our trust in Jesus actually grows stronger through problems and trials. This is how it happens. Paul talks about this in these verses. Problems and trials help us develop endurance. We're going to make it. 
God is going to bring us through. That's endurance. You're going to make it. Jesus is going to help you. And that sense that we're going to make it through, that endurance strengthens our character, which means we keep trusting God and we keep serving Him. Because we're going to make it. So our character becomes stronger. As our character becomes stronger, we become more confident of the hope we have in God, that God will keep helping us now. And when Jesus comes back at the end, we're going to get rescued. And that hope doesn't disappoint us because God's Spirit does something for us that you cannot do for yourself. God's Spirit fills us up with the inner assurance that we are loved by God. Now, I admit, this is a process. And at points along the way, when problems and trials come our way, it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it seems almost too hard. But through that, we develop endurance and we say, this is amazing. God's going to get me through this. He's going he's to help me grow up into my faith in Christ stronger. And when we realize we're going to make it, we have that sense of endurance and our character is strengthened. And we say, look at this. God is helping me grow up into Christ and be more like Jesus through all this stuff I'm going through. And then when right in the middle of the trouble, we become more confident that God is really going to help us. We say, look at this. My hope in God's resurrection power is growing. And then when the Holy Spirit gives you that inner assurance that you're loved by God in all situations, we go, this is amazing. No matter what happens, I know God cares about me and will bring me through. And that's this joy, an unstoppable joy that Paul talks about. And then he gives a surprising reason for joy. Being friends of God through Jesus brings joy. Paul wrote, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So let's think about the difference between an enemy, an acquaintance, and a friend. Now if you're in the presence of an enemy, there is no joy. There's probably fear or defensiveness or anger or lashing out. But in the presence of an enemy, there's no joy. God could have chosen to be our enemy. Could have. He created us to live in his image. None of us have. We've all fallen way short. So God could have chosen to be our enemy, come to judge us, come to destroy us. And if that were the case, which it's not, but if it were the case, our lives would be controlled by fear. What's God going to do to me in this life? And what's he going to do to me when I die? God could be an acquaintance. God could have chosen that. and God would know your name, and you would know God's name, and you'd talk once in a while. No strong connection. God could have chosen to be an acquaintance, but then we'd be left on our own. We wouldn't really know what God thinks about us, what life's about. We'd just be trying to figure things out. Thankfully, Scripture is very clear that in Jesus Christ, God has made us his friends. This is a very unusual way of becoming a friend. And all of our human friendships, they develop over time. You meet someone, you have a little conversation, you find out about them, and, oh, they like to hunt too, or, oh, they, they like to bake too, or they like, you know, common interests or experiences. And you run at each other, oh, let's, you know, let's, uh, let's go to the races together, Let, and you spend some time together, and, and you go, oh, I kind of enjoy their company, and they enjoy my company. I guess we're friends. It takes time. Paul wrote that through our faith in Jesus, God just makes us his friends. He just says, it's already set. You're my friend. Come on. It's a gift I just give you. And through our everyday online uh, Romans devotional, the prayer begins with this phrase, Jesus, I belong to you. 
That's a friendship statement. The way we affirm through Jesus, we're a friend of God. We belong. We belong in God's family. Now, since my birth, I've lived in 11 different towns. Uh, when I was at home before I graduated from high school, we moved three times. As an adult, I moved 11 times. Now, some of you have moved less often. Some of you have moved more often. But if you've moved at least once, you know something, that not staying in one place, even one move, teaches you the value of friends. Because every time you move, you physically leave friends behind, and you get to a new place where all you have is acquaintances, and you don't know if you'll have friends. Time will tell, right? Well, thankfully, God gave me a friendship with Brian that began when we were both 18 years old up in Canada at a Bible college. And for whatever reason, Brian and I have kept that friendship up over all of the years. We've never lived in the same town or even in the same state, but through meetings and phone calls and so forth, we just kept our friendship up. And now 45 years later, we talk every few months on the phone, and our conversations are easy and relaxed. We're not trying to impress each other. We just share what's going on in our lives, the good stuff. We talk about the hard stuff. We talk about how our kids are doing, the good stuff for them, the hard stuff for them. We encourage each other. And whenever I get off the phone talking with Brian, I feel relaxed and at peace. Because I've talked with a friend. And Paul says that through our faith in Jesus Christ, God makes us his friend. God offers us friendship. He offers to gain contact with us. He says, I will listen to you. Share your joy. Share your sorrows. We're friends. So when we're in God's presence, there's no fear. We're just relaxed and we're at peace. And that brings a lot of joy. And then the third and final stop for the day for this week's readings. Interesting. We can avoid Adam's disaster and enjoy Jesus' rescue. This is Romans 5, 12 through 17. Uh, we all think that we're writing our own life story. You know, I'm making my own decisions. I plan my own course. I'm in charge of my own destiny. But guided by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul explained, not really. We're all living the story of Adam's disaster until we accept the story of Jesus' rescue. And Paul lays out Adam's disaster in these verses. It's really clear. There's sin, there's guilt, there's death, and then death rules. That's disaster. Adam, the first man, decides, no, I'm going to rebel against God. I think I know better than God. I'll go live my own life. That's sin, rebellion. It brought guilt into the world. That didn't exist before. Adam created guilt. And that rebellion and resulting guilt brought God, uh, before, from, before God brought death into the world. And that didn't exist before either. Adam brought sin and death in the world. And so now death rules. We will all die. This is a disaster. But the real disaster about Adam's disaster is that it's been passed down to every succeeding generation, including ours. So, we all sin by rebelling against God and his design, thinking we can do better on our own. We're all guilty before God. That guilt results in all of us. We will experience death. Death rules. We can't escape it. That's Adam's disaster, and that's where everybody starts. It's exceptionally bad news. Thankfully, Paul says, well, the good news is that Jesus, God's son, comes to earth to rescue us from Adam's disaster and invite us into a, a, a brand new story. God doesn't abandon us. 
He comes in Jesus to rescue. And Paul describes Jesus' rescue this way. Wonderful grace, the gift of forgiveness, being right with God, and triumph over death. Through Jesus Christ, God says, you can leave Adam's disaster behind and enjoy this rescue that I give you through Jesus. Through faith in Jesus' resurrection for us, we move from being controlled by sin, which is this pull to the wrong all the time, and we move into, we move into God's wonderful grace, which is undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness that just doesn't go away. Now, rebellion, of course, deserves judgment and punishment, but through faith in Jesus, God gives us kindness instead. So our guilt, it gets washed clean by the forgiveness in Jesus. And instead of being spiritually dead to God and, die, and having physical death get us in the end, Jesus makes us right with God, we become spiritually alive, and when Jesus comes back, he gives us a new resurrection life. So nobody has to stay in Adam's disaster. We're all invited through faith in Jesus to enjoy his rescue. That's the good news. It's amazingly good. So, a couple of questions as we think about this part of Romans. First one, and they're all for you to ask and answer. Do I have faith in Jesus Christ? Faith in Jesus isn't believing things about Jesus, that he was real, that he lived, that he died, that he rose. Faith in Jesus is trusting him person to person, that his death was for you, his resurrection for you, and he's coming back for you, and you want to live for him. It's personal. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Uh, if you do, you know, and you're celebrating inside. If you have questions in your mind or go, I don't know what he's talking about, uh, find myself or Luke or Jesse or somebody on staff after church or call us during the week. We'd love to explain to you so you understand completely what this is about. Very important decision for this life and life to come. Second question is, that middle section there about joy, can I see how God is using problems and trials to strengthen my faith? This is a key question. Because if you don't ask the question this way and find the answer, you will stay mad at God. Because he let problems and trials come and didn't fix them. Well, he's using them to strengthen your faith. How is it happening? Now, most of us, we can see how God used problems and trials back there to strengthen our faith. You look back, oh, now I see what God was doing. He developed this in me. He helped me learn this. At least that's how I work. This is what I'm working on now. I, would, I want to be able to see how God is using problems and trials to strengthen my faith that I'm in now. Right in the middle of it. That's what I'm working on. And you may need to work on that too. And just be honest with God. Talk with Him. Ask for His help. Ask for the Holy Spirit to help you understand what God is doing with you to make you stronger in faith. And the last question, kind of a restatement of the first one is, do I need a new story? In other words, am I living Adam's disaster and why don't I go and live Jesus' rescue? Do I need a new story? And if you do, it's right there. Jesus says, here I am. Take the rescue. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that through your death and resurrection, you you make this wonderful way of friendship for us with God the Father, our Creator. We're thankful because we're honest. We, we know we can't make this happen ourselves. We try. It just doesn't work. 
But we don't have to try anymore. We can just accept and enjoy and relax and be at peace because you make us friends with God the Father. And we accept that today. We bank our life on it. Not as a statement of something somebody else believes, but as who we are. Holy Spirit, come and grow us all up in faith in Jesus. Grow us all up in, to enjoy the rescue that Jesus gives. For we pray in the name of Jesus, our risen Savior, and all the people say, Amen.